People care about their car buying journey. Provide your customers with an unparalleled chat and digital retailing experience with Goobagoo. Whether your customers are online or in-store, Goobagoo is there. See the magic at Goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O.com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Jake Neer, in for Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Volvo Cars USA reorganizes as its CEO steps down, Shell acquires EV charging firm Volta, and an engineer testifies that a Tesla video promoting self-driving was staged. Plus, we'll hear Jamie's conversation with the CEO of Lightning E-Motors, which manufactures electric commercial fleet vehicles, including EV school buses. Effectively, many schools now can have a free electric vehicle, so the government's put the money where their mouth is. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Volvo Cars is restructuring its America's business and spinning the U.S. and Canada markets into a separate unit. Anders Gustafsson, head of Volvo Cars Americas and CEO of Volvo Car USA, will give up his responsibilities on March 1st. That's according to three people briefed on the matter who spoke with Automotive News. Volvo Car USA later confirmed the reorganization to Automotive News. Michael Catone, a 21-year Volvo veteran and Western Region Vice President, will take on the top job in the U.S. and Canada. EV charging network operator Volta says a Shell subsidiary will take over the company in an all-cash deal valued at almost $170 million. Shell USA will acquire all outstanding shares of Class A common stock of Volta for $0.86 apiece in cash. Volta said today that the deal is expected to close in the first half of the year. Shell and other companies have been investing in EV charging infrastructure to cash in on the growing demand for electric vehicles. A 2016 video that Tesla used to promote its self-driving technology was staged to show capabilities that the system did not have. That's according to testimony by a senior engineer. The video remains archived on Tesla's website. Elon Musk promoted the video on Twitter as evidence that, quote, Tesla drives itself. But the Model X was not driving itself with technology Tesla had deployed, according to Ashok Eliswamy, director of autopilot software at Tesla. The statement is in the transcript of a July deposition taken as evidence in a lawsuit against Tesla for a 2018 fatal crash involving a former Apple engineer. It's the first time a Tesla employee has confirmed and detailed how the video was produced. And we now have the official photos and more info about the new hybrid Corvette. The all-wheel drive Corvette E-Ray will be available later this year as a 2024 model. It'll start at $104,000 for a coupe with removable roof and $111,000 for a hardtop convertible version. Those prices include shipping. Chevy says the E-Ray will be the quickest Corvette yet, capable of accelerating from 0 to 60 in 2.5 seconds, That's one-tenth of a second faster than the track-ready Corvette Z06, which costs several thousand dollars more. Unfortunately, we can't podcast photos to you. You can find images of the new Corvette E-Ray at autonews.com. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, I'm wondering with this Volvo Cars USA reorganization, is there an obvious reason why now is the time they decide to do that? 
Well, definitely having a new CEO globally would be a good uh, time to be making a change like that. Jim Rowan has come over from Dyson to be the new uh, CEO, replacing Hokan Samuelson. You know, the other thing is Anders Gustafsson was here on a a five-year term. Uh, He's really heading into year six now. So maybe it's time for him to try something else. Irvash Karkaria, who broke the news, uh, one of his sources told him that Anders Gustafsson was offered the chance to be a co-deputy CEO, but he would have to move back to Sweden, and that did not appeal to him. So we'll see what he does next. Pretty cold in Sweden this time of year. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Coming up, we'll hear from Lightning E-Motors CEO Tim Reeser. That's next on Daily Drive. People care about their car buying experience, and so do we. Provide your customers with an unparalleled chat and digital retailing experience with Goobagoo. Goobagoo is the leader in conversational commerce for the automotive industry. Our fully managed live messaging services instantly connect consumers to dealers anytime and anywhere through live chat, text, video, and more. Integrated with our fully managed chat, Goobagoo's virtual retailing platform enables consumers to buy cars online directly from the dealership's website through multiple channels. We are constantly improving the retailing experience and currently have over 100 integrations with CRMs, DMSs, and third-party applications. Goobagoo transforms the traditional car buying process into a modern, transparent, and seamless experience. Available 24-7, 365, our highly trained chat specialists are there to help. See it for yourself at goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Jake Neer. If you were listening to last week's episodes of Daily Drive, you might remember hearing this. 25 million children a day in America go to school on these diesel-fueled buses, and they are inhaling toxic fumes. I have now visited U.S.-based electric school bus manufacturers, and The great thing about it is that we're making it right here. It is the creation of jobs. That was Vice President Kamala Harris talking in Ann Arbor, Michigan, about the importance of electrifying school districts' bus fleets. That effort is getting a boost from federal and state subsidies, including money in the Inflation Reduction Act and the Infrastructure Bill. And that's helping companies such as Lightning E-Motors, which manufactures electric buses, box trucks, cargo vans, and other commercial fleet vehicles. I recently spoke with Lightning E-Motors CEO Tim Reeser. I reached him at the company's headquarters in northern Colorado. Tim Reeser, welcome to Daily Drive. Happy to be here, Jamie. Thank you for the opportunity. Just last week, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris was here in uh, Metro Detroit. She was over in Ann Arbor, and she talked a lot about the importance of electric school buses uh, for, you know, protecting kids' lungs and all that. Uh, That business has gotten a, a big boost, hasn't it? Yes. So for two reasons, Vice President and, and of course, President Biden put their money where their mouth was. And so did Congress when they passed the infrastructure bill at the end of 21. So a year ago, 
and they came out with uh, almost $6 billion in new federal funding. And school buses had never been federally funded before. So $6 billion is a big chunk of new money. And they asked the EPA to deliver that money. And the EPA is already now awarded a, a billion dollars in the last couple months. And that's now beginning to turn into customers buying electric vehicles. So um, that was the first billion of five. But then the Infrastructure Act came out in August with an additional $40,000 per vehicle, uh, any commercial vehicle, more than 14,000 pounds of, of gross vehicle weight. And both small school buses, type A's, and big school buses, type C's, both uh, fit into that category of larger than 14,000 pounds. So both of those vehicles get an additional $40,000 subsidy in addition to the IRA money. And then states like the state of Colorado, uh, our Governor Polis here uh, put $50 million to help drive it in the state of Colorado. And again, these are additive. These are all stackable. Effectively, many schools now can have a free electric vehicle. So the government's put the money where their mouth is, but also schools are looking at this as a great opportunity because it's not just subsidies. And I have a saying about Americans, we don't like being told what to do. So just because the government puts subsidies doesn't mean the market's going to all of a sudden take off. We also need a compelling product and something people want. And indeed, the parents and teachers want uh, students safer. They want students to have better breathing. They want people who are you know, dropping their kids off, parents to have, have a, a more breathable air. They, they want to do things sustainably. But when you look at a school and all of a sudden with an electric school bus, the total cost of ownership, the cost of operating that vehicle, the, the budget the schools have to do to run the vehicle, they no longer have to buy diesel or gasoline fuel. They no longer have to have oil changes. They no longer have to have brake changes nearly as often. And they get a variety of new safety features. Uh, I'm sure you still get a lot of questions, though, uh, from community members and, and districts about you know, whether they have the charging capacity installed or, you know, I think in a place like Colorado, you know, the impact of cold weather in the winter and how it handles on, you know, snow and ice. Uh, but but mostly like you don't want a, your electric uh, school bus to get stuck in the country with a bunch of kids on it. Right. So, But uh, how do you address those kinds of concerns? So all of them are important concerns, Jamie. And so I'll just knowing we've got a short period of time and I'll tease everybody with some of the answers here. And there's certainly more more in depth to talk about. But um, electricity is a fun one because, as it turns out, most schools can make their own electricity. Um, many schools have flat roofs, both at the depots and at the schools. They've got plenty of room to make electricity with solar. They also have plenty of room to make electricity through microgrid technology, meaning there are people with either natural gas or hydrogen fuel cells that take those that energy and turn it into electricity to run the chargers. So there's a real opportunity to think uniquely and differently and from some of these schools to be independent rather than being dependent on gasoline stations or their own fuel tanks uh, that they bought from a, a, you know, a gasoline company or a fuel company. Now they can make some of their own electricity and that indeed is starting to happen. And that's, this isn't science fiction, it's science and it's available today. I think that's one aspect. When I hear people say, oh, we're going to run out of electricity, I'm like, no, <laughs> many of these places have the capacity to very cost effectively make their own electricity cheaper than they can buy it. And that also solves some of the distribution challenges in the sense that when you go and say, hey, I got to put in 20 big chargers at this school facility, does the utility company have enough upstream infrastructure? And if the answer is no, then we, we do it in a more distributed fashion. We put more of that generation capability at the school or at the depot itself. So I like talking about cold weather, and this is obviously not just schools, but everybody, you have to plan for cold weather. And in fact, 
even on a diesel school bus, most diesel school buses have a separate diesel heater. You'd look at a cold climate, not just Colorado, but even colder climates, Canada, Minnesota, whatever that is, um, you do have to keep the bus heated. And batteries, of course, also like their sweet spot and meaning they need to be heated as well. So it's a very solvable problem. We essentially need to make sure we put enough battery power to cover for the coldest weather situations. It works, but we have to understand it and plan it. Lightning has been collecting data on our commercial vehicles now since uh, 2012, and then on our electric vehicles since 2017. We have a tremendous amount of data about what you really need in cold weather, and we're able to work with these schools and make sure we put enough battery power on them to, to cover them in the cold and the hot. So, you know, cold weather, electricity, both of those are solvable problems. I read a lot about them, but they are not obstacles to getting this done. The things we solve today, we provide microgrids and we provide charging. And so um, these are all things we can package with the school buses and, and in fact, finance it all together as well. You alluded to the importance of data and really understanding, you know, the routes that are driven and the, the climate. I heard you speak in uh, Las Vegas during CES, and I think you were talking about maybe it was Newark, but it's someplace where, you know, they were doing a, a city fleet of buses and wanted to make sure all the buses could go the maximum distance, even though they don't all go that. How do you think through a process like that with sort of the mixed range uh, fleets? And it starts, as you point out, Jamie, with data. And so we can be a, a little more precise and specific than people who don't have data and are just estimating. We have the data on these vehicles. And it's a fairly complex data set because you're looking at cold and hot and the temperature range, you're also looking at payload. How many people does that bus have on board or that, how much payload is that truck carrying throughout the day and what's the average and max? And what you find is most fleets don't have homogenous fleets, but in the gasoline world, when a, a, a aluminum fuel tank that costs $30, you just put as big a $30 aluminum fuel tank, you didn't need to optimize that and save $5 on your fuel tank. In a battery, if you want a battery that will take a, you know, a transit bus, if that transit bus needs to go 200 miles versus 100 miles, it could be a $50,000 difference in the battery cost. So now you really are, there is incentive to be more precise than there was with an aluminum fuel tank. We sure. actually do be more precise and not do a one size fits all. And yes, it means the bus companies have to be, spend a little more time and a little more thought and be more strategic about what they need, but it's not a hurdle technologically. We can put 400 miles worth of batteries on a bus. We can put 40 miles worth of batteries on a bus. We just tell customers you really actually want to be thoughtful and not build a one size fits all, use the data to invest the appropriate amount for what you need to get done. Well, we think a lot about the consumer market and everybody basically wants the maximum range possible. They think, you know, for, for whatever the longest trip they might ever take in their car. But when you're, you know, running an organization and you answer to other people, I think you said it was like it's like five hundred dollars per mile of additional range. And I think that's on a bus yep. Uh, yep. scenario. You know, yeah, 100 miles of range. You'd think, oh, well, I want an extra 100 miles, but not if it's going to cost you fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> It, precisely. And I think the other thing is, you know, people with a passenger vehicle, they want the flexibility to drive to grandma's, you know, and take a long road trip. And whereas with these buses, they don't take long road trips. They don't go to grandma's. <laughs> they, they drive the same. A school bus drives the same 38 mile route every day. A transit bus might drive the same 100 mile route every day. So it is a different world. The duty cycle, not only do you have 
from a business case, people that want to you know, be thoughtful about it, but you also have the ability to be more thoughtful because these are more specific use applications. They, most commercial vehicles don't just one day drive 500 miles and the next day drive 50 miles. There are some that do, and so we have to design those differently. But our market, there are hundreds of thousands of vehicles out there that are very specific in what they need to do, and, and we cater to that. Before I let you go, I want to make sure we touch on uh, how you interact with Ford and General Motors. Of course, you have the name Lightning in your name, uh, but you're not like part of Ford. It's not uh, an offshoot of the F-150 Lightning, but you do work trucks and they're doing, I mean, GM's got Bright Drop they're launching. Ford has an electric transit van. Do you step on each other's toes at all? We partner with each other, and this the market. I'm really happy you asked the question, Jamie, because it's not obvious to to most of the market, even to customers that struggle with, you know, is Ford just going to do what we do? And the answer is they don't. And I tell people just kind of an, an interesting story. If you look back, most of the major automakers made appliances in the 1920s. So so automakers can do lots of things. They have plenty of capital and big factories, and and so when people say, "Could GM do what you do?" the answer is yes. But GM has chosen to sign a partnership agreement with us, which we're public about. And, and because in their minds, we can do it very cost effectively for them and they don't have to spend the capital to do it. And this is our world is these commercial vehicles that are high levels of customization, and lower volume. So the market has segmented and Ford and GM have both been public about their strategy. Their strategy and what they want to do is build high volume vehicles, 150,000 Ford e-transits next year has been their goal. That's a class two vehicle. Um, we're building class four vans and shuttle buses, some of them on a Ford platform, but they're much bigger, they're much lower volume, they're much higher customization. You think about a shuttle bus that's got a, a wheelchair lift on the back and, and an air conditioner, a high voltage air conditioner. These are things that we do well and we've built a business that has modular wire harnesses and modular batteries and customized ability to support that. Ford's business is built on high volume, low customized business, and so is GM. So we are complementary to them, but we're also building very different products. Tim Reeser, CEO of Lightning E-Motors, thank you again for joining me today. Thank you, Jamie. It's been marvelous. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Jake Neer, and for Kellen Walker. Thanks to our own Irvaksh Karkaria and Nick Bunkley for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on electrification, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for my conversation with J.D. Power's Doug Betts about the firm's new EV index, which shows some surprising trends. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.